Make sure I started it here. Yep, all right, we're good. All right. We have two minutes. Want to give them maybe one or two more minutes? Yeah, I think so. For those of you online, we're going to go ahead and wait maybe one or two more minutes, then we'll go ahead and get started. <laughs> Never actually seen the, uh, the yeah, lyrics. Oh, yeah. I got the, the notes on top spot. Yeah. It might be this. Uh, yeah. All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and get started here today. Thank you for coming to our uh, service, whether in person or online. It's happy to have you here. Welcome to Shoreline Church. We're going to go ahead and begin as we typically do. We're going to bow our heads. I'll pray. We'll have a minute of silence, and then we'll come and bring some worship up for us here today. So go bow your heads with me. Father, guys, we want to thank you for this time, Lord. We want to thank you for the opportunity to come here on a Sunday to get to worship and just spend time with you, Lord. We pray that this time, Lord, you would really just help us to put aside the distractions of our week and really just come and be with you, Father. We just pray that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted, and that we would just take some time to worship you in this moment, God. Thank you, Lord, it's in your name we pray. Please join me in a minute of silence. Thank you. 
Father God, we just want to thank you for this time. Lord, we pray that you would just be with us this Sunday. Pray that you'd be glorified in the worship and in the sermon. We'll now move into a time of worship. All right. Better. You guys at home can't see. We've got a really small group here. But that's okay. It's growing. It's growing every <laughs> Oh, there we go. Join us here. All right, fine. Now we can start. <clears throat> um, let's uh, let's sing out loud, okay? Need all your voices. <laughs> I'll fly. I'll fly away. Um, we do. This is a special day. Uh, you know why? Sunday. Uh, every day is special because it's Sunday, and Rachel Hogan is with us. As yes. you can see. She's joined us to sing and to worship. And uh, four two two. I'll fly away. I'll fly away. Uh, you can just kind of fake the lyrics or there's books in the in the box. But and uh, this is a kingdom standard. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We'll find our notes. Hold on. Some glad morning when this life is over. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly All 
fucking give you a little surprise. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, keep on your toes. Yeah. Okay. Keep on your toes. Switch it up. Yeah. Come on, Sean. I heard you singing. It was nice. Oh, well, I did. Joyful noise. No, 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 no. Um, let's see. Seven oh five is. Don't you want to go? Don't you want to go? <clears throat> As we prepare for Kyle to come up and preach. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Don't you want to go, everybody? Okay. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Be loved in that land, as love in that land. Nothing but love in that land where I'm bound. Nothing but love in that land. Nothing but love in that land. Nothing but love in that land where I'm bound. Nothing but joy in that land. Nothing but joy in that land. Nothing but joy in that land where I'm bound. I'm not this thing over before, so we'll see if it uh, stays up this time. I see here. Morning, everybody. Morning, Shoreline Church. Happy to be here with you today. For those of you uh, here or online, if you, if you happen not to know who I am, my name is Kyle Popick. Been coming to Shoreline Church roughly about six years now or so. So I've been a uh, part of the campus ministry, now part of the uh, young marriage ministry. We're uh, small but mighty here in Shoreline. Recently married about a little less than two years ago, married my wife, Hallie, and beautiful wife back there in the back, sitting next to Connie. And so I'm happy to be uh, speaking the word here with you today. And if you've right. been with us here at Shoreline for any amount of time, you know, we've been going through a series called Relationship versus Religion. And so that's really what I want to continue speaking on and the idea of relationship versus religion. <laughs> And what I mean by that, for the, for the purpose of my, uh, my sermon today, the lens that I want to look at it through, when I say religion, what I mean by that is a set of ritualized habits, right? A set of, you know, practices that are cold and distant and stale. And what I mean by cold or distant is that there's a lack of 
heartfelt sincerity to them anymore. And so when I talk about the term religion, that's what I want you guys to think of. And when I talk about relationship, I mean something that's the opposite, right? Something that is heartfelt, something that's sincere, something that really originates from an intrinsic internal desire. And so that's what I want to speak on today. And I want to go ahead and turn, turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter, 49, uh, chapter 43, excuse me, verse 19. That's where we'll start off. Give you guys a second to get there. Isaiah yeah. 43, 19. And normally when, when I give us, I usually like to stay in one area and kind of just work our way through. Today, we're actually going to popcorn around a little bit instead. And uh, Geo's not here to stop me, so that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so it uh, looks like most people are there. In 40, uh, Isaiah 43, verse 19, this is God speaking to the Israelites. And here's what he says. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And so the reason why I want to share this scripture to start is that it brings the title of my sermon to bear. And the title of my sermon is A New Thing. And what I want to talk about today in relationship versus religion is that in order to have true and sincere relationships, God designed them to require a certain level of periodic newness. And what I mean by that is when religion gets practiced over time, when the routine, you know, routines are good, right? Spiritual routines, professional routines, they help us be productive. They help us stay disciplined. Routines are great things, but when the routine becomes routine, it can become a problem. And it can lead us away from sincerity into automation. And so that can be the problem of religion. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the idea of a new thing. And the original inspiration for this sermon it was actually, I read about a psychological process and the way that we human beings process information and operate. And the process that I read about was something called the heuristic bias. And what that essentially means, it's a pretty strong, pretty complex cognitive process that it ingrains us in doing things the way we've always done things. It makes us inherently distrustful of anything new, and it makes us always lean back on the patterns that we know. And there's a lot that goes into that. You know, I'm not a biology major, so I don't, or a psychology major, so I don't profess to understand the sum total. But the, the simple version of it is, you know, the psychology 101 version. We have two hemispheres of the brain. We have our right hemisphere and we have our left hemisphere. And what the right hemisphere is in charge of, that's the creative side. It's a side that largely manages our, in, our imagination, our inventiveness, our innovation. It's the side where, you know, artists and poets are born. And then you have the left side of your brain, and that's the side that deals with data processing, pattern recognition. And that's the side that hopefully manages your budget and hopefully not doing too much uh, creative accounting. <laughs> but what the, what the funny thing about the brain is, whenever we're introduced to new things, whether it's a physical task like playing a sport or an intellectual task like music or, say, learning calculus, the, the cognition in our brain is dominated on the right side, the right hemisphere, which makes sense, right? If you're learning something new, it requires imagination. It requires innovation. Mm -hmm. But that level of thinking is actually very taxing on the brain. It requires a lot more you know, calories and stamina to keep that going. And it also limits the brain's capacity to do other things at the same time. Right? That's why when we're learning new things, we'll say we need to focus. And then after we've done them for a while, you can do other things while you're doing that. And it's, you know, it gets old. So what your brain tries to do as quickly as it can is to take right brain cognition and imagination and convert it to left brain memory. And it's supposed, to, it's supposed to, you know, essentially there's a lot of biological advantages, right? You can process information requiring less energy. You can do more things at the same time. 
But the problem when we look at relationships and operating this way is that that phenomenon produces exactly what it's intended to produce. And that's mindlessness. And so as you can imagine, if we're mindless in our relationships, that's going to lead to problems. And so what I want to focus on today as we talk about religion versus relationship is that we have a natural tendency to skew towards the side of religion, to skew towards automation mm -hmm. if we're not intentional about avoiding that. And I'm sure we can all imagine that, right? The, the real danger of religion is we've been going through this, this series. I've been thinking about it. And I hadn't really thought so much about relationship versus religion before we started. And I thought one of the main dangers with religion itself is that you can learn how to do something and forget why you do it. Right. You know, all of us, I'm sure, you know, plenty of us here today have been disciples, many of you, you know, longer than me. And the funny thing about it is you can become really proficient at being a disciple. Right. You can come to church. You can go to midweeks. You can try your best not to cuss or get irate and raise your kids well or reach out and do those things. And you can forget why you ever wanted to get baptized in the first place. Yeah. And religion isn't just for our relationship with God. What I want to do today in our sermon is extend the concept of religion <laughs> to our relationships with each other. Because the same is true in marriage, right? You can easily get married to somebody and become very efficient roommates. You can manage life well. You can manage the checkbook well. You can manage the kid's schedule well and forget why you married the person in the first place. And so that's the true danger of religion. And turn with me now to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18. Give you guys a second to get there. Again, that's Ecclesiastes 10, 18. Looks like, looks like most people are there. I'm going to go ahead and read. Ecclesiastes 10, 18 says this. If a man is lazy, the rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. And what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying very simply in this passage is that laziness will lead to decay. And that's true not just for maintaining the structural integrity of a home. That's true in all areas of our life, right? If we're lazy at our jobs, our work will decay. If we're lazy in managing our finances, our financial security will decay. In our relationships, it's the same way. If we're lazy in our relationships, they too will decay. Some more severely than others, some quicker than others, but that fact remains true. And it's funny thing, I was thinking about relationship versus religion, and you know, it's easier. Our brains naturally skew to it because it's easier and there's two things I can promise in life, you know, besides death and taxes, there's two other things that are true. And the first is that life is busy. Life's always hectic. There's always something going on. And if you do have a period of calm, sooner or later, something's going to come to disrupt the waters a little bit. Life is always hectic. And not just with what we have to deal with, but then the emotions on top of it and how we feel about what's going on is all second layer. So life's always going to be busy, for better or worse. And every single relationship we'll ever have will always require work. Those two things, I wish it wasn't that way, but those two, two things, they're just facts of life. It's part of how God designed it. So the only thing that we really have to ask ourselves, the only thing that's really within our control is whether we want to make that intrinsic effort in the relationship despite a hectic life. And so that's what I want to think about today. Um, what I want to do, we're going to only share roughly three more scriptures. I'll make three brief points and we'll wrap it up. <laughs> What I want to do is think about three categories of our lives, because there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible. They talk about examine yourself daily, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And those scriptures, they talk about the need for each disciple to take a constant assessment of where they are, honestly. 
And that's always been hard for me because it seems so vague. Like, how do I really get an accurate understanding of where I am in the sum total of my Christianity? And so one trick that I started to do that's helped me is I break down my Christianity into three categories. And they're a little bit, it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but it is helpful. And so that's what I want to do today. And so the first category that I want to look at when we're, when we're talking about this idea of religion and relationship is our relationship with God. You know, forget everyone else on planet Earth, forget everything else on planet Earth, and it's just you alone with God. That's category one. Category two, I call the fellowship. And that's, you know, our relationship with each other, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with each one of you here today. And category three is my reaching out. That's my relationships that I'm intentionally engaging in some, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but in some way with the goal of trying to help that person come to know God. And so those are the three categories I want to look at today. I'll make some brief points and we'll close out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter six, verse six, please. Give you guys a second to get there. Matthew six, six. Trying to get there myself. <laughs> so far, the stand is staying up, so it's a good day. <laughs> See here. Okay, Matthew chapter six, verse six. And just to give you a little bit of background context on the scripture, this is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to his disciples, and they've just come and asked him how they should pray. Now, one thing I want to point out about the Old slash New Testament here is the Bible wasn't yet fully completed, and most people didn't have access or couldn't read anymore. So the only real way that people in the Old Testament time had of having their personal relationship with God was through prayer. So when the disciples come and ask Jesus, how should we pray, Lord? teach us to pray, the real connotation of what they're asking is how do we have a relationship with you? Teach us how to do that. And in verse six, I want to pick up what Jesus says to them. In teaching them how to pray, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on and on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. I want to focus a little bit less on the specific instructions that Jesus gives and more on what his answers reveal about the heart of God and the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. Because when the disciples come to him and ask, Lord, how do we pray? How do we engage a relationship with you? Jesus says a few basic things. Number one, be intentional about it. If you're going to come pray to me, come pray to me. Close the door, walk away, and then don't ramble on and on. Don't pray without thinking. If you're going to come, be intentional, have an idea of what you want to say, focus on it. And once you've said it, stop. I heard you. And the beautiful promise of God is he does promise to, you know, he may not always answer when we want, or it may not be the answer we want, but he does promise to hear and he does promise to answer. And I want to focus on what he says about being intentional, right? Because if you go to the first part, right, the close the door, go into a private room, you know, I'm sure all of us have had, you know, interactions with, with people that we, uh, that we know and love. Well, we're talking to them and they're on their phone. We're talking to them and they're on their iPad. Or, you know, in my case, Hallie's talking to me and I'm playing Xbox or something like that. And every single one of those interactions, I've never seen someone walk away and say, that was a quality interaction. <laughs> you know, the human reaction is, hey, are you listening? Stop. And you get a little annoyed. You know, there's a little bit of a zing in there. Well, God's kind of the same way. You know, a lot of people talk about praying in their car. I really struggle with praying in my car. I don't like to pray in my car because I constantly get distracted and I'm repeating and I lose track. And I don't like that. And for me, what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you're going to come be with me, step away 
and come have a relationship with me. And then on the flip side, in the ancient world, people would try to pray for long amounts of time because the longer you prayed, the more pious you were. Therefore, the more likely God to answer and the more glory you won in the eyes of men. And Jesus says, stop that. That's foolish. That's not what I want. Come and speak what's on your heart. And when you've spoken it, we're good. And so what I want to encourage you with, it's really easy, whether, you know, prayer is one example of how to have a relationship with God. Worship is another, quiet times are another. I want to ask you, how intentional have you been in that relationship? How much do you pray, kind of just praying the same prayers you prayed 10, 20 years ago, the same types of things you pray every day, more out of ritual than out of conscious thought and intention? You know, for me, when I was going through this sermon, I wanted to evaluate myself in each category. And so I was thinking of the same thing I asked you to think about. Where do you fall on that sliding scale? And in my relationship with God, the first thing that jumped to my mind was my quiet times. Because this last month, I don't think I, I don't think I missed a day having my quiet time over the last <clears throat> month. But I really I was going through the motions. I really wasn't learning very much. Every day I've been trying to do uh, my quiet times have been dry. So I've been trying to do a task of read every book I haven't read in the Bible yet. So that I've completed the whole thing. And so I've been reading through Ecclesiastes and, you know, I'll get up, I'll, I'll read my little chapter, I'll write my couple paragraphs, I'll, you know, pray my prayer and move on with my day and nothing really changes day to day. And so that's where I've been at, just in my own relationship with God. And, you know, so for me, it was my quiet times that jumped out of me, but I want to ask you, what area of your relationship with God, it's so easy to fall into a rut or to fall into going through the motions. And the one thing I want to encourage you with is if you identify an area in your life where that's the case, think about something new, a new thing you can introduce to take yourself on that scale away from religion and back towards right brain, innovative relationship. You know, maybe it's, you know, if you like to, if it's a quiet time like me, maybe mixing up the time, or I usually like to pray out loud pacing. It's actually kind of hard for me to say, I have to watch the window for the online people because I like to move. Holly mm-hmm. makes fun of me for fidgeting, but uh, so, like, you know, sometimes for me, it helps me pray remaining stationary. It's harder for me. You know, so I don't know what it might be for you, but my encouragement is think of one thing you can do to introduce some newness into your relationship with God. Amen. So go with me now. We're going to go on to category two of the fellowship. Turn with me to John chapter 13, verse 34. And actually, by some miracle, I actually just flipped right to it. Uh, but but uh, this passage, it's a pretty famous one. If you've heard it, you know, been with here at uh, Shoreline before, you've probably heard it once or twice. In case you haven't or you just don't remember the context, this is Jesus, again, speaking to the same disciples that he had. And this is right before he's about to go to the cross. And so he's giving essentially his last instructions that he wants his disciples to hold on to after he's gone. And starting in chapter 13, the book of John, verse 34, Jesus gives them this command. He says, a new command I give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another and we talk about this passage a lot in church it's a pretty famous one right jesus what he's saying here is he's calling the disciples to love as he has loved them right the example of the cross of what he's referring to the self-sacrifice the dedication the commitment the love the patience the mercy to do that for someone who didn't deserve it And what I want to focus on, the specific aspect of the love that Jesus has here that I want to focus on is consideration. And I don't mean consideration in the sense of politeness. I mean consideration in the sense of considering the other person first in the relationship. Because when I think about our relationships with one another, they're hard to maintain. And I think all of us, if I were to ask each one of us individually or anybody online, I think we would all answer that 
we want to be considerate in our relationships. I don't think anybody here would say, yeah, I want to be inconsiderate. I want to bulldoze everybody and get what I want 24 seven and everyone else can watch out. But the truth is, you know, in real life, bullets start flying, things start happening. People aren't always polite. Work isn't always going well. Money is not always secure. Things happen and we don't step back and take a second to consider the relationships closest to us and what they might be lacking, or even if not lacking, what we could simply do just to increase them and make them better. Now, I have a funny story about uh, consideration. It comes from my marriage. Uh, like I said, I'm married now a little bit, a little bit less than two years. And growing up in my house, I didn't grow up in the most stable home. My parents were pretty volatile, like many of you, I'm sure. And they would fight often. And when there was fighting, things would get thrown, people would get hit, police would get called. It was, you know, not the healthiest situation. And one of the constant fights my parents always had is my mom would accuse my dad of being unappreciative. And she always felt neglected or taken for granted. And so one thing I learned early on as a kid, if I'm ever married, I want to make sure my wife feels appreciated because I don't want that to happen to me again. And so when we first got married, I was really intentional about telling Hallie, thank you for things, right? If she made food, thank you. If she ran an errand, thank you. If she did the dishes, thank you. And at first, Hallie was actually really appreciative. You know, I could see it like it would brighten her up. She, you know, a little pep in her step for a second. She could tell, you know, what she was doing meant something to me. And less than a year into our marriage, I think she went to go make lunch or something like that. And I went to go say thank you. And from the other room, Hallie interrupted me. And she's like, yeah, 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 I get it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got it. And she goes back to doing what she's doing. And in that moment, I realized something. It took less than a year for that method of communication and intentionality to get stale. And in that moment, I'm glad that God gave me that moment of realization. Because if I didn't have that moment of consideration, it took less than a year for it to get old and lose its impact. Imagine if I continued that same trend for 25 years. Yeah. You know, I could go a quarter of a century intentionally trying to express my appreciation of my wife. I could try, I could make a conscious effort, and she could go that same quarter of a century feeling unappreciated. Simply because I was relying on my left brain pattern, what I'd always done. And instead of being heartfelt, it reached the point of religion. It reached the point of being stale. Good point. Yeah. And so what I thought to myself in that moment is, okay, that no longer registers. I got to think of a new way to tell Hallie I'm, I'm appreciative. You know, maybe it's a physical contact instead of a verbal thing, or maybe instead of a blanket, thank you for everything. It's more specific, right? Hey, thank you for folding the laundry. I saw it. I did not want to do it. It's really cool. You did, yeah. you know, and then that'll get old in six months and I'll have to think of a new thing. And maybe eventually I cycle back to thank you once it's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, it's a funny little microcosm, but the point is that's how schisms and relationships can happen. If we just don't take a half a second to be considerate of where the other person's at. And that's how, if we're, not, if we're not careful, we can drift towards religion in our relationships with one another. And even if we don't mean to cause damage, we can have the best intentions merely through neglect, we can cause damage. Yeah. And so what I want to encourage you, you know, category two, fellowship, it's one of the biggest categories. It's every human relationship you have, essentially. So don't think of all of them. But try to pick one relationship, whichever one jumps out to your heart. It could be a spouse, could be a kid, could be a parent, sibling, friend, whoever it is. But just think of one area that, okay, I might have drifted a little bit into religion in this relationship. What can I do to spice it up? What can I do to freshen it again? What's one strategic, intentional, attentive new thing I can do to breathe some life into our connection? Amen. So we're going to go now, final category here. Turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. 
things. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of insight. Thank you. Great. I'd like to say I came up with all of it. Most of it I stole from readers, but somebody once told me the key to originality is forgetting where you heard it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> and then let's see here. Let me turn to uh, Ephesians one moment here. I got to get my uh, paper Bible game back on track here. Let's see here. <laughs> I know it's true. <laughs> Turning, I'll give you the context while I'm turning there. But Ephesians chapter two, it's Paul writing to the church in Ephesians. And he, in chapter two, it's one of my favorite chapters. He's laying out a basic description of Christianity and picking it up in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. He says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no man may boast. <clears throat> for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I love Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through 10. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite passages in the Bible because it summarizes all of Christianity super quickly. You know, God saved us. How did he save us? Through his grace by faith, right? Why did he save us? Two reasons. Number one, he loves us. Number two, he has a purpose to use us to help other people. And it's that second part that I want to focus on when we're talking about category three, our intentional reaching out. Right, if we're talking about good works, there's a lot of different good works out there. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do good works, but certainly one of the most central is trying to help other people become Christians, both through how we live and through intentionally engaging them in conversation. And so what I want to encourage you, one thing I love about this passage about good works is God already knows every single day for every single one of us for the rest of our lives. He already knows every good work he's laid out for us. He already knows every spiritual opportunity we have will have. And he knows whether or not we'll take it. And he knows the fruit or lack thereof that will come from it. And the cool thing about God is we don't always know what those are. You know, I, I like to imagine some days, you know, not all days are created equal. Some days God might give you six good works to do. And it's a busy day and it's tiring. And if you're like me, you don't get to play Xbox that day. <laughs> Maybe other days a little bit easier. Maybe other days he just gives you one or two. But what I want to encourage you with, I don't know what the good works are for you. I don't know what they'll be tomorrow. But what I do know is it's not nothing. And God has designed works that are new for us each and every day. Yep. And so thinking specifically about reaching out, you know, when I was evaluating myself in this category, I went to think about my own reaching out. And like I shared before, I graduated from college end of 2020, you know, about a year and a half ago now. And reaching out in college was, was something I really enjoyed. And it was something that my circumstances naturally pushed me toward, right? You know, when you're in college, you have your freedom of schedule. You don't have a job. You're not married. You know, you don't have uh, obligations. You're not financially independent yet. In most cases, some, some cases you may be. And you're surrounded by people all the time who are in a stage of life where they're open to engaging new ideas, right? All of that combines to make reaching out a lot, a lot easier. You know, if you want to do it, it's right there 24 seven. Fast forward 18 months and now I'm married. Now I work a nine to five job that's usually longer than nine to five. And now I have a marriage. And once I'm done with my job, I go home. There's things to do around the house. I got to care for my wife. We have little puppies. Life gets busy. It fills up quick. It's hard to figure out how to reach out. And also because I'm occupied, it's hard to just find the opportunity to reach out. And so when I started to think about my own reaching out for this sermon, I realized it's been a long time since I intentionally initiated with someone out of my own intrinsic desire to help them know God. And I've been a part of studies since 2022, but that was always a part of studies that someone else started and I, they invited me in as a support. It's been a long time since I started anything myself. And I was thinking about why that was, and I started to pray to God, 
about giving me more opportunity. And when I was doing this sermon, I was praying to God, Lord, just, you know, create opportunities in my life. And I felt a really funny answer that made me chuckle with God in that prayer. And he said to me, and what I felt him saying to me was, Kyle, the problem is not opportunity. The problem is attentiveness. I've got plenty of opportunity for you, but you either weren't looking for it or when you had it, you chose not to do it because you felt busy or felt tired or whatever the case may have been. And so I prayed for God to give me new opportunities so that I could be attentive to them. And later that day, Hallie and I, we took our dogs to the dog park. We met a young couple there. And lo and behold, the guy comes from South Africa. His name's also Kyle. And so, you know, he and I struck up a friendship. I don't know what will ever come of it, but at least I want to be attentive to that opportunity. And so what I want to encourage you in your own reaching out is how attentive have you been? How intrinsic has the desire been? Because I think reaching out is one of the hardest ones to maintain a constant intrinsic desire for. Because it takes a lot. You risk a lot. It's uncomfortable. It takes a lot of time. You know, it can be fun and rewarding, but it also can be difficult. And so what I want to encourage you wherever you're at is just take a second to think about where you're reaching out falls on that spectrum of religion to relationship. You know, I was, I was in left field. I wasn't even doing, I wasn't on the spectrum, you know, but if you are, where do you fall? And think about something new that you can do in your spirituality to freshen up your reaching out, whatever that looks like for you. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to come in for a close here today. I'm going to transition into a time of communion. And as we do, in case you haven't guessed it by now, I just want to leave you with a call to action, with a, an encouragement and a challenge to take some time today before you go to bed, do it today before work starts and life gets crazy tomorrow. And just think about those three categories in your life and think about whether your faith has largely been religion or relationship and think of one new thing you can implement practically this week to take yourself a little bit further from religion and a little bit more into authentic relationship. We're going to transition to a time of communion. I'll pray for us. The worship team will come up. They'll perform a song. At the close of that song, I'll come back up. I'll say a prayer for our contribution, close us out. If you have a little communion cup, that's great. If not, I do believe there are some on the table, so you can always find them there as well. Thank you. Go bow your heads with me in a time of communion. Father God, I just want to come before you, Lord, and I just want to thank you that you created us to have authentic relationship. God, religion would be easier. Operating mindlessly, it would take less effort, but it would also give less reward. And I thank you, God, that you're not a God of automation. You're not a God of religion. You're a God of authentic and sincere relationship. And I just pray, God, that you would really help each one of us here individually today and then us Shoreline Church corporately to be a body of relationship and to be instruments that help build relationship, that help heal relationship, that we can be humble and considerate in our relationships, God. I thank you, Lord, so much that you want a relationship with us. I pray, God, that we would never, whether we've been disciples for one day or for 50 years, I pray we would never lose appreciation for the depth of that gift, God. In this time where we go into communion to give you all glory and all praise, it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
I appreciate that, you guys. Thank you. All right, we're going to go now. I'm going to say a quick prayer for our contribution, and then we'll go ahead and we'll close out for the day and enjoy some fellowship. Father God, Lord, I just want to come before you and just pray for the contribution, Lord. I just, I just want to thank you, God. I pray that you would just bless the finances, Lord, towards the ultimate vision of Shoreline becoming a self-supporting church, God. And 
I just pray, Lord, that every cent given will be given generously, Lord, for I know that you love a cheerful giver, God, and I know that you will not fail to reward cheerful giving, God. I just pray that you would take the contribution, bless it, God, put it towards your purposes, that it may produce spiritual good in this life and the next, God. Thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the blessing to be able to meet at Shoreline Church. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. That concludes the service for today. Please enjoy the fellowship. Final people, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close out now. Have a good day. Good to see you guys online.